They're taking cherubin pots strewn strategically along the daily. Charter boys are tying paternosters in preparation for the fray. Tinnies are being towed to target on the Arnhem Highway. Over in Gove, they're rigging up teasers for the big boys. There's an air of anxious optimism at harbourside boat ramps as launch time looms. And in the front bar of the top end pub. I'm stuck in the sandbar, right? I've been there for an hour. The esky's already empty. Smith! Hey, what's going on? More! Jesus, that the time. Quick, mate, let's go. Finish your beer. Get your bums in the boat and get on with it. Getting on with it, Tales from the Tinny. G'day and welcome aboard the clapped out conveyance once again as we get well and truly into the dry season and the school holidays. This is our time. This is our time we earn, is it not? Through the build up and the crotch rot and the cyclonic wet season. This is our time to shine, to get out bush, to hook up the DRT, the domestic road train, that is trailer behind camper behind boat and get out for a camp and a fish. Despite the cold water temperatures and the challenges with Barramundi, there is a little bit of hope on that front, by the way, coming up on the tinny and we're all looking for windows in the uh, in the blue water. Hope you had a lovely cracker night, by the way. Andy, g'day. How was your uh, cracker night? Oh, it was awesome, Tim. Mm. Adopted a new strategy. Don't spend any money and watch others spend theirs. I watched the Baghdad display. Yeah, it was great. The hundreds of thousands of dollars of ordnance setting off across the skyline. It's a great view. You can get a great view of the the entire city at, at, that includes Palmerston as well mm. if you get out on the boat and float through the harbour. We had visitors up from down south, family actually, more than visitors, mm. and they were just astounded that we're, we're allowed to have fireworks and they, they were just blown away excuse the pun it is it is fabulous to have dry um, dry season visitors up from south during kraken night and, and and watch their jaws drop and their eyes goggle yeah as every road they drive has you know kids on it setting off firecrackers at them as they're burning around of an evening oh yeah they were it's astounded just, it's yeah. just, it, it is astounding yeah as a southerner and they, watching they, what happens. they were also astounded when i brought up on my uh, control panel center in the middle of the house oh yeah the current bushfires burning. Oh, <laughs> I bet you did. So there's 15 little red flames on the map, and I said, let me just let me just present a balanced story to you. You do need to see the other side of this story. Hey, speaking of which, congratulations to the uh, Dundee Dundee uh, Volunteer um, Fire Brigade. Yeah, I mean, no doubt those Volunteer Fire Brigades are running these sort of events right across the top end. So good on them. They'll get out of their own time, put on a sausage sizzle. We were down at the Dundee Lodge. Yes, um, put on a sausage sizzle. And set off a bloody good display. Mm. It was high end, very enjoyable. And then home to set off our own little bumblebee, bumblebees and and and, and set the bush alight. <laughs> no, we didn't do that. Of course you didn't, Tim. Those right. vo- volunteers do a wonderful job in the NT in emergency services. I declare bias, former life bias, but they they really do a wonderful job. And these are not snappy jobs. Some of them, like, they're out there fighting fires. Mm. I very much enjoyed. 
that display, as did everyone. So I hope you had a good crack of night and you've uh, recovered now uh, without injury and the pets have the pets have too. Now, Tim, I'm uh, you know that I'm a fairly positive sort of person, but this week I'm starting to get a bit despondent because I've been doing the tinny for a few weeks or months now in a row and all we hear is terms like footy fields of tuna, mm. infestations of mud crabs... I think a few episodes ago it was like the thickest threaties that I've ever seen, you know, bouncing lures off their backs. Yeah, all this is true. Well, I don't know if it is, Tim, because I spent a couple of days... <laughs> Are you this... questioning the integrity of the church? I'm, I'm just wondering whether uh, I've been the victim of, of a fraud. Because I went, <laughs> I, I went, I went out in the harbour Everything you, you hear on the tinny is a perpetuation of of fraudulent lies. Is that what you're now contending? Well, I'm just saying that some of what the... What a change some, of heart. Some has... of the intel I've been stealing over the past few weeks is not <laughs> producing. <laughs> and I'm not happy. Well, you, you were guilty of insider trading over a number of weeks and perhaps this is just karma coming back to bite What you. sort of loser steals the wrong information? Well, so what's <laughs> happened? You can't catch a fish. No, well, I've been out in the harbour and look, uh, granted I did see some tuna out at Six Mile one morning. That was good. Uh, can I hook them? No. Mud crabs, infestations. Well, I dropped all my pots. <laughs> I actually lost one because I ran over the rope in the boat. So, Listen I mean, this maybe this does say something about my skill level. But I didn't get a single mud crab. Oh, and I'm not joking. Bushchook, who you, you'll hear from a bit later in the show, she got three out of a spot 10 metres from where my pot was. I heard. I'm not alleging anything, by the way, I, either there, Bushchook. I heard, but mine I, was empty. I heard Bushchook even accused you of. Stealing her pots or stealing someone else's? Yeah, she did. That's She's so on the case with mud crab thieves that what she was a, she had a go at you. Yeah, well, she she didn't actually know it was me, but my it was my <laughs> boat just coming around the corner, and she so yeah, she's on guard. But look, she's been she has been impacted by um, mud crab thieves. Numerous, numerous. What did yeah. she say to you? Mm. <laughs> uh, I can't tell you on radio. You can't repeat it. Let's just say there'd be about twenty ratchets in there. <laughs> <laughs> Until she realised it was you. Uh, anyway, look, it is. We did take. I did take my nieces out on the harbour for a fish, and they did pretty well actually. One of them got a nice forty centimetre goldie, so that was great. And the harbour, it really does does look healthy and beautiful at the moment. It's and just, and no, perhaps no fish the, the reason you can't catch them is karma coming back to bite you for insider trading. And isn't this the lesson we, you know, we talk about year after year? You've got to be a leader, not a follower, Andy. I know. Stop following others. Start charting your own course. Maybe Take I, a risk. I'm going to reset, Tim. You're going to see a different Packy Andy in the next few episodes. What a negative, aggressive and no, I'm gonna, despondent one. No, no, I'm going to reset. I'm going to rethink and I'm going to own this and I'm going to catch fish. Good luck. Anyway, you're going to hear more about mud crab infestations. Probably uh, more exaggerated lies from where I sit, but you'll hear this. I'm hearing very good reports about muddies, um, particularly during last neap tides um, which normally aren't that productive but uh, people have been very happy with their catches up in the 20s and giving it away and throwing um, smaller ones back to uh, keep the bigger ones and they're all full yeah that hurts of course thanks there ray Uh, and we'll share what happens when karma unleashes its power even before the fishing trip starts so ladies and gents uh, i'm a little bit wet because i had to go swimming because Bush shook here, forgot the bungs. You're going to love that one, folks. You really are. We're also going to hear about good numbers of barra in Shoal Bay. Now, here's, here's a bit of a forward prediction. You know, is this, is this true, really? Someone that caught seven barra in 23-degree water? Tell me why I'm to believe that, Tim. 
It's flat out defamatory. <laughs> and an absolute ripper story about an NT fisher who's gone south for some very major surgery. He is the finest example of a resilient fisherman that you will ever hear. Anyway, whether you believe what we're about to say or not, one thing is guaranteed, you're going to be entertained as we rock into another episode of Tales from the Tinny. thought at four and a half metres I could cross the channel on the way back. I tried to tell him, look, it's, it's not big enough to start with. Oh, yeah, I was Duffy Duck, that's for sure. She was Bugsy. <laughs> Tales from the Tinny. Well, Warren's away this week, but he did manage to harangue a customer in his own shop. What a, what a guy this guy is. He's dedicated, coming, isn't he? Coming in to buy some lures. Uh, just by the way, I'm going to I'm gonna stick the Tinny Field recording app in your face <laughs> while you buy it. T- t- tell, me, tell me everything. Uh, they'd been down the Vic. And you know it's in his shop because you can hear the interviewee bumping a shelf of lures. <laughs> Take it away, Warren. Right, I'm standing here with Caroline DeMarco, who's just been out to the Victoria River fishing on the weekend with her husband, Blondie. And uh, they did fairly well. Um, unfortunately, I can't do a live recording this week. I'm up at uh, Douglas Daily Camp Drafting, which will be an interesting weekend. Hopefully, I don't fall off. But anyway, back to the story of Caroline and Blondie being out at the Vic River. How was the fishing this weekend? It was great, Warren. Uh, we probably boated 10 probably lost about six and they were good fish. I think our biggest was 75. Very clear, very green and clear. Any salmon? Uh, The other guys that were fishing with us did catch a salmon. And did we lose any big ones? Yes, we did lose a number of big ones. Oh, probably two fish that probably would have been close to a metre, if not a metre plus. Sharks and one we lost off, just he snapped off. So what, a shark grabbed your your barrel while you're fighting him and then took off with it and sure did and we chased the shark and didn't get my lure back that's why i'm in here restocking restocking the ones that i did lose so what's the best color the best color is green yes that seems to be always the case once the dry season sets in in both the daily and the vic and even the rope is the same Um, green seems to be the predominantly good color so you've got the splice color in the classic barrow there by the look of it so that's a good color that worked well orange as well orange and green are many of the snags starting to show out there yet? Yeah. Barnacles? Yeah. Lots of barnacles on the snags, so you have to be careful when you're trolling yeah. not to get cut off, or even when you hook a fish up, sure. slightest bit of yeah. pressure on a barnacle. Well, Blondie, that's how he lost his on the snag. That's why I'm seeing all those tears out in the yes. uh, driveway. Yes. <laughs> He's crying. <laughs> oh, well, that's good fishing, though. Yes, it was. Well, how'd the other crew go that were out there? Uh, yes, they couldn't. They, I don't think, probably boated as many but they couldn't get, you know, hang on to them as well. And we stayed, slept on board? Yep. Down the river, so nice yep. and comfortable. Beautiful. And the sunsets that you get out there are just... Fabulous. Yeah, you die for. Yeah, yeah, you don't see any better sunsets. I mean, I went over to Santa Torini earlier this year and they were talking about how good the sunsets were. I wouldn't have given them two bob for them, to be honest with you, when you have a look at the sunsets. Couldn't beat we... the Vic. No, you can't beat the Vic. Yeah. It's a great place. All right, thank you very much. No worries. Good luck on your next fishing trip. What a legend, DeWitt, here always to serve the church. And thanks to, uh, to Carolyn and Blondie as well. Tales. I don't mind a mullet. If you think like a mullet, you will catch the barramundi. From the tinny. Get a mullet up, 
G'day, I'm Maddie the Bush Chick. Who was subject last week to a comprehensive character assassination, Maddie? Oh, I don't know what to say. Your own mother, your own flesh and blood. I know. She just threw me under the bus. Not only did she hit me with the bus, she reversed over me, then went back forward and then drove off and left me there. Did a little burnout on the way atop your carcass. Would have fishtailed over me, I reckon. First of all, let's get this out of the way. Congratulations on breaking the drought with a 122 and a 124. Thank you. I'd like to say it was a life once in a lifetime fish, but I'm still wearing the bruises two weeks later. We better just get a few facts on the table and allow the right of reply. Is it true that this is how it happened? She reluctantly came down after three hours sleep, after going out the night before, having a huge night, dragged her arms, dragged it down the boat ramp, cranky as all hell, I don't want to go down here. A little bit of that is true. Yes, I had three hours sleep. I was a little smidge overtired. I got to the boat ramp, hungry, tired, but I was there. And I said to her, I am here, let's do this. Did you say... Yeah, well, this will be another bloody cock-up. I definitely did not say that. You deny? Denied. Did you, as your mother alleged, keep up the F-bombs even after the hook-up and say... This is a shark I'll spew. I'm never coming fishing again. Look, it wasn't I'm never coming fishing again. There were a few F-bombs. I would be back out on the water, eventually. There would have been a gap, but I would have been back out there. Did you after realising it was in fact a Dewey, continue to abuse your father, saying... Don't you drop this. Get the gaff. Get the net. 100%. I will admit to that. I was... He was directing me and telling me, lead the rod this way, and it was just, nope, get out of my face. Nope, just, no, I've got this. Stop talking. I was nervous, okay? This was the biggest fish I had close to me in a very long time, and I was that close to jumping overboard, if not throwing him overboard to catch it. Did you then not stop talking for 45 minutes, forcing even the dog to go up to the front of the boat to get a rest from your incessant banging on about the bloody Dewey? This is true. But in my defence, it was a big fish. The look on mum and dad's face was almost like they were concerned because I stopped talking for a while. And this is unheard of. When does a brown ever stop talking? Like, that's almost hospitalisation. Well, I think you've clarified that pretty well, uh, Tim. It's clear as mud now. Talking of mud, um, someone was mud crabbing yesterday. I ran, ran into you guys on the water. How were relations between you and your family, most importantly? Well, look, we took two boats and um, it was a great day. You got along a lot better when you weren't in the same boat. Yep, yep, let's face it. So tell us what happened. Oh, we got three mud crabs. That was great. It gets so much better. We're in the car park still. I've put reverse the boat down. Boats in the, My boat's in the water with bungs in. Yet mum's in the car park still and she gets in the boat and goes, oh, ow, and I'm like, oh, what's she done this time? She stabbed herself with a knife in the back of her leg. She's ripped the knife out. There is blood everywhere. So we used a bit of chucks and I duct taped her leg together. It was at that moment I realised she needed to go to a hospital, but she didn't. I told her it was fine and we needed to keep fishing. So that happened before we even left the car park. So mind saying... Mum needs to go to hospital, mouth saying, let's Let's go go fishing. 100%. 100%. So she needed a stitch, but don't worry, we'll deal with that later. The tides were right. That was the most critical part of our day was fishing and crabbing and making those tides. Sounds like she deserved every bit of it, Maddie. Look, I'm not going to be that hard to my mother, but yes.
there's more. We've duct taped her leg together with chucks and black duct tape. So I've basically cut off her circulation so she's not going to bleed to death. Look, I was a good kid. Territory surgeon. It's fine, Mum. Only a little bit of blood. Lots of blood. We'll have to hose that out before Dad sees. About to jump in my boat on the pontoon and Mum turns around and looks at me and goes, Oh, the bungs. And I said, what do you mean by the bungs? And she goes, they're not in. I was like, oh, So, ladies and gents, uh, I'm a little bit wet because I had to go swimming because bush shook here, forgot the bungs. Why is there so much water? Stop it. You're being silly now. Also, what happened to your leg, Megzy? Oh, she got in the boat and I stood on the wrong side of the knife and it picked up and it went into my leg and stabbed me. Oh, man. Sucks when you throw your daughter under the bus and karma comes back. They say revenge is a dish best served cold, Andy. This revenge tastes pretty good, I'm sure, for Maddie. Served almost boiling hot straight out of the oven and delivered just a week after the character assassination she's received. Oh, this is as far from sushi as you could ever get. This is this is deep fried. How does it feel, Maddie? Look, it was great. I'm not going to lie. I'm still laughing about it. <laughs> Mum's legs up on the side of the boat. You see the blue chucks along the harbour and you just black duct tape. I still went to bed last night laughing and I woke up this morning laughing. And how have you enjoyed this experience recounting the story for the, the for the church of the tinny? Oh look this has been wonderful. Greatest day ever. Almost as great as the day I caught that fish. Both of those fish. Thanks Maddie and perhaps that's a lesson to you mums of the territory. Don't give your daughter <laughs> on the radio because it's gonna come back and it's gonna hurt. Cheers Maddie. Thank you very much, guys. See ya. By the way, guys, my mate Harley Eggins is currently freezing down in Goulburn and he sent me a video after having open heart surgery, being wheeled into recovery, uh, fishing in his bed after open heart surgery, pretending to fish in his hospital bed. Tubes everywhere, machines beeping everywhere, literally just being wheeled into recovery and he's pretending to fish because that was where he wanted to be. He sounds like a bloke we need to talk to. You definitely give him a ring. Tell him, ask him how the weather is down there. What a saga, my goodness. We've all experienced that onboard coach, haven't we, Tim? <laughs> mm. Yeah, telling you, you know, as it's, as it's happening live, how to do what you've dreamt about for 20 years, so you've done it a million times in your sleep anyway. <laughs> Keep the rod tip up, pump and wind. Yeah, she barely handled it, Maddie. Can you imagine? Threatening to throw her own father overboard. Or herself. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> so, so passionate, that, that yarn. Um, good on you, Maddie. Imagine, um, I was thinking this, Tim, when I was re-listening to that yarn. Imagine someone from another country, and there's many out there that listen to the podcast overseas. Imagine them hearing some of the language that we use here, just normally, like, you know, muddies and jewies and left the bungs out and we've duct-taped her leg together with chucks. Yep. Say, say that again. Uh, we've duct-taped her leg together with chucks. <laughs> That's another language. It is flat out another language. And he's been hoying the whole of the top end uh, throughout the day and throughout the week. Over a collective noun for your eskies, what was that all about? Yeah, I've got, I'm having a clean-out, so I've got half a dozen eskies to sell. 
again, our overseas listeners, <laughs> what are they? Are they like little children or animals? Or <laughs> no, no, they're You're in not New selling Ze- little children. No, no. They're just, not Eskimos. They're, they're not Eskies. Eskimos. That's right. The chili bins, the New Zealanders would call them. Uh. Anyway, I've got half a dozen, so I just want to, in the interest of accuracy, because you know I like the detail, Tim, want to be able to word the ad right. So, why, why are you selling half a dozen Eskies? Oh, I just don't need them anymore. They don't, they don't fit. They don't fit in them. I've reconfigured part of the boat with some more batteries, and so they don't fit. So you got six. Yeah, but you know, you know what it's like. It's How like, much? Uh, well, Beard's already laid claim to a few of them, so <laughs> whatever's left, you can have for twice the price. <laughs> you know, people say, "Why do you need so many eskies?" It's like the question, well, "Why do you need so many fishing rods?" Well, yeah. or, or why do you need multiple boats? Because one boat. One fishing rod or one esky can't do all jobs. Correct. As I've said to my wife numerous times, why don't people just go on the golf course with one club? The answer is you need a whole range of clubs for a whole range of jobs. No different with rods, no different with reels, boats yeah. or eskies. You, won't, you wouldn't take your Spanish mackerel kill esky, mm. which needs to be about seven foot long, <laughs> to a family picnic. Would you, when you just want three beers and a little snack for the child and a picnic rug? Correct. Nor would you take your picnic esky when you go mac fishing. You're going to have to cut it up into nine pieces and jam it in, stand on it. This is precisely the reason you came up with that wonderful election policy uh, just a couple of months ago, the domestic road train, because Mm. no car, vehicle, boat or toy can do all jobs. You need all of them at all times, and the only way is to hook them up behind each other and go. Precisely. Anyway, anyway, so there are a few suggestions uh, from listeners out there on what we should call this collective noun of eskies. Oh, yeah. A, be- uh, a bevy of eskies? I was thinking a festering cesspool. <laughs> perhaps that's only a reflection on, my, on, the, on the state and hygiene of my eskies. <laughs> These are quite clean eskies. What about a, uh, an excess of ex- eskies was another one that was volunteered. Not bad. Or a burp of eskies, I think the beard put it's forward. Good. What about a stagger of eskies? Because that's what results, surely. <laughs> I'd lo- I look forward to seeing the ad. Uh, it's Better make it a red-hot bargain. Tackling the big issues here on the tinny. Now, a couple of other... Oh, hey, if you want to join in on that, you can do it via 1300 Mullet, 1300 or email fishing at abc.net.au, and that's how you give us a hoy, no matter what it's about. Here's another uh, with some repair work finally going on at the Woolliana boat ramp, Andy. This is good. Next Thursday and mm. Friday. They've actually got to close the ramp for it. So from 6am next Thursday to 2pm on Friday, they're closing the ramp based on all these reports, and thankfully the department's listening, that you can't launch safely there during the low tide because of the condition of the ramp and debris and the holes at the bottom, which is probably as much as a result of the, the ramp as the low water levels in the daily, isn't it? Yeah, it's probably a combo, but I can say firsthand, having fished one of those recent competitions, it was very, very dodgy, and there's a real drop-off. you know. But you're right, if the river wasn't so low, it perhaps wouldn't be so bad, but definitely needs some maintenance. So they're removing the rock build-up and cleaning out the entrance. They're breaking up and removing that damaged slab at the bottom of the ramp, and then they're laying out some granular rock on some geotextile uh, fabric to provide a solid base for access. Now, that's obviously not a permanent fix, mm. AFANT are treating as a it is a temporary measure and they work with this committee, the Recreational Fishing Advisory Committee, to work out how they spend money on rec fishing and they're going to put it to them and, and, and work on a more permanent solution. It'll be great to see that permanent solution, won't it? Because it really is such a, a well-used and popular boat ramp. I wonder where it ranks. They reckon Diner Beach is number one. Mm. Dundee ramp is the second busiest in the territory. Yes. I mean, look, it's busy enough to justify and important enough to justify some proper coin on a permanent fix. Agreed. Either way.
So the Siamese fighting fish on the Adelaide River floodplains, I don't know whether you heard this story earlier this week on ABC uh, News and radio, actually. I hadn't heard that before. Siamese fighting fish, allegedly sort of ex someone's ex-pet that they've dumped, or I don't know whether it's just like a finding Nemo flush down the toilet thing, but they're, they're breeding on the Adelaide River floodplains. And are considered quite a pest. Yeah. The peacocks of the river, uh, I think I call them. Aren't they, they what? They're, they're little baby show-offs that don't really serve any purpose. No. Other than excellent bait. <laughs> Are they good bait? Not only would they be brilliant bait, I mean, a barramundi would just lap that up. A barramundi's trained to target one of the most evasive and intelligent of all fish species, the, oh, the mullet. The mullet, yeah. So coming up against a Siamese fighting fish who's just there in a floral dress and, you know, with a hair bun <laughs> on looking pretty. Yeah. <laughs> piece of cake. A piece of cake. Piece to of the cake. point where I reckon this would be the one rare opportunity where mullet themselves can become the predator and not the prey. I mean, they're so lame, those fish. Such a... They're all about show. Mm. Surely a mullet could take down a Siamese fighting fish himself, couldn't he? I reckon it probably could. What about this? For, let's think outside. One-on-one the... on one Siamese fighting fish. Ooh, look at my tail. Oh, no, pretty. I'm going to fight myself in the glass. Ugh. Mullet. Whack. Boom. <laughs> Boom. Thanks for playing. Get, get out of my paddock. I'm the prey here. What if we could grow these things up to a metre long and then people would come here as a tourism attractant <laughs> yeah, to know, catch the metre long Siamese fighting fish? Yeah, that's good. That's boundless possible. Oh, yeah. I said it again. Uh, ABC Radio's Gabby Lyons asked one of our very own church members, Michael Hammer. He's a, a Siamese fish fancier. She mm. asked him uh, one of the key questions. Do we know what kind of impact they're likely to have on waterways at, at this point in time? Uh, we don't really know, um, but we assume by their vast numbers that when they're concentrated in those little areas, they must be having some impact on localised little native fish and, and probably tadpoles and other invertebrates as well. So competition for food and space in, in, in the little habitats where they refuge during the dry times. What does the curator of fishes at the museum know? What he doesn't realise is that they're bait for mullet. Mm. And we're going to breed them up to a metre long and create a whole new tourism industry uh, on the back of our Frothy Waffle campaign. Got it, Andy? Did that go on the higher drive? The Frothy Waffle campaign. Got it. The Frothy Waffle campaign. Come to the Territory and catch a sio. A uh, Ahoy from Penno. Tinny crew, I'm dead set keen to get on the end of a Spanish mackerel over the weekend, which will be followed by a creamy Thai mackerel curry. I haven't targeted the razor gang for years, and I've come to a dead end having checked several sources. So I turned to the tinny. <laughs> Dear, you are desperate. The custodians of all things fishy. For information about the FADs, the mean, that means the flippin' awesome deeds. <laughs> he did use another word for the F, but I can't repeat it. He did. Now, I know it's Friday and by about now, just after lunch, and most of the team will be three cans in. That is correct. <laughs> but if you happen to recall, I vaguely remember in previous podcasts that some of the fads had disappeared, but I can't remember which ones. I checked the NTG Marine webpage, surely a trusted source of up-to-date info, which indeed gives the location of several of the fads. But I fear Neville the Albatross might have scored a job in the public service and it might not be (laughs) up-to-date. Anyway, uh, I understand well the uh, bartering ethos of the tinny. We'll happily exchange a ripple mackerel recipe for any advice you can provide. Keep up the good work, champs. Penno, Penno, all we can tell you on the location of the fads is from memory, uh, Dundee's the only one left. So follow that GPS mark. All the others uh, are still missing, uh, last we heard anyway. You can give us a hoi too, fishing at abc.net.au. Shoot it, share it, shout it. Give us a hoi.
It's early morning and as we make our way down to the compound at Buff Creek, the birds are a-twittering. So much so, in fact, that there's near on hundreds of twitches. I saw a lot of very interested people with cameras and binoculars. They're not fishers, that's what we can say. Ray from Buff Creek, how are you? Good morning, gentlemen. Fishing's been good, good reports all round. I'm hearing very good reports about muddies, um, particularly during last neap tides, um, which normally aren't that productive, but uh, people have been very happy with their catches. Up in the 20s and giving it away and throwing um, smaller ones back to uh, keep the bigger ones, and they're all full. Very consistent. Nearly every boat that's coming in and people are reporting back with uh, plenty of smiles on the dials and uh, saying they're going to have a happy day with a cold garden. Most people are only being out for the well back before the high tide, so that's only a matter of, uh, what, three hours? If you haven't got your muddies in the first hour, hour and a half, then um, you're probably wasting your time. And how far out are people going? They're crabbing Buff Creek in general, um, out towards the mouth, and Meckett Creek and Hope Inlet are really pumping them out at the moment. How's the creek itself fishing? The creek's actually fishing pretty good. Uh, Reports were last week, uh, someone got an 80 centimetre straight off the beach uh, by the boat ramp, and there's been uh, some good jacks being caught up around the corner. Of course, it's that time of year when people will be leaving out of Buff Creek, heading around to Lee Point, looking for tuna and max. Are you hearing many reports there? Some good tuna and some good max, as in when I say good max, that they're edible size, nothing fantastic. But uh, they're out there in numbers, but uh, unfortunately you have to get through the batfish to get to them. A snapper coming out of Vernon's and, and Cape Hotham. A few boats went out there on the, uh, the drop of the tide, uh, the dropping tide of the neeps and uh, they said they come they when they come back they said they did pretty well obviously it's hard work for barra during july but any reports from meckett's and shoal i've heard king's producing some uh some barra mainly people that have been locked in they're they're getting some barra and on lures i note the no fireworks at buff creek sign <laughs> out the front of the road did anyone pay any notice to that it was one of the quietest uh fireworks night uh, that we've had in the last 15 years that I've been here. It was it was great. It was a, I actually got a good night's sleep. So, I mean, the, the last electronic sign they had, someone decided to uh, put a bullet hole in it, apparently. <laughs> Don't tell us not to set off fireworks. We'll shoot your sign. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We're territorians. <laughs> exactly, yeah. <laughs> we can't stand so close to Shoal Bay and not ask about navigation. Any sort of strandings lately? Any good stories? The markers are there. They're new markers and... They're pretty easy to navigate. I mean, if you if you can't navigate through those, then it's a bit of a worry. It's a real win, isn't it, if you haven't heard Fisho's eight new navigational markers to mark the mouth to get out of Buff Creek? Gee, we can only be thankful for what we didn't have before. It was been pretty bad for a couple of years, and, and, and thankfully someone's got on top of it, and we're, they're good markers. They're actually really good. There's a few people having a say that perhaps the markers are a little bit uh, on the way out. They're a little bit too far to port, but... Um, if you just stay to starboard, you'll be right. It was good that they actually waited for that king tide before they put the markers in because it would be totally out of, out of whack now if they did. Those navigational markers are the good news, but what's the upshot of that survey they were doing a few months ago as to whether people wanted to keep the compound, right? Parks of my life that actually the contract comes through have decided to end the, end the contract in November, 30th of November, which means um, basically... 
the demandable here will go, the ablution block will go, and I think the compound will just be open for people to, uh, to come and go as they please. So it won't be locked or maintained or monitored by a caretaker? At this stage, I would say no. What's the point of a fence and a gate that's always open? But we have CCTV, don't we? Isn't that supposed to be a be-all and end-all of uh, crime and everything like that? Just up the pole there, there's the camera watching us. You've been replaced by robot cameras? Yeah. How do you feel about that? How long have you been here? Uh, 15 years. Um, it's sad. It, it's, it's disappointing that it should end that way. I mean, as, as far as we're concerned, we've really enjoyed it here and it's, um, we think we've given the community the best that we can with, with safety and information. And I, I think the survey might have had a couple of loose ends on it that it, it possibly wasn't a very good survey. Did you get a chance to actually see the results? No, I was only told of the figures. So they made the decision independently, essentially based on the survey that hasn't yet been made public? Yes, it seems that way. I mean, we have to have to face the facts that uh, there's not a lot of money going around with the government and perhaps it became uh, one of those problems that um, they just couldn't afford it anymore. What are you going to do in retirement? Retirement? What's that? They say, oh, I'm a big believer in things happen for a reason. There, there's probably something bigger and better coming along. Good luck, Ray, and thanks for your service over the past 15 years. Yeah, we've still got a few months to go, so um, we'll, we'll go hard until the end. Yeah, so that compound's been around since 2004. At the time, it was considered pretty high risk there. You'd remember, Andy, at Buff Creek. And there were no real suburbs around and not a lot of other traffic, you know, so Lyons and Muirhead wasn't there. In 2016, a few years ago, they put in CCTV and lighting and increased the car park facilities, and I guess they're presuming that's what's made it safe. The department's also said there are no other boat ramps or car parks in the Darwin and Palmerston area that actually provide 24-hour secure compound with an on-site caretaker. So they did renew Ray's contract for a year. It was due to expire last year. Renewed it for a year, and then... um, it's coming to an end, as you heard in November. Yeah, and uh, Parks and Wildlife Dean McAdams spoke to Adam Steer this morning and, and basically said that the reason for putting the caretaker in there originally or the reasons have, have changed. So the environment has changed. They also said that they're working with AFAN to come up with some sort of solution to keep that compound secure, which is... How does that going to work? Which is good news. I don't know. Get, get, I, maybe pick up the keys. So without a caretaker, yeah, I, I really don't know how that will work. And, of course, the CCTV will remain, but you, you do have to ask the question. I mean, CCTV is great, but... It's a disincentive to set a car on fire if you see the camera there, but do you really think the people who are going to set a car on fire are, are too concerned or not going to do it because the CCTV's there or even look up on the pole or That's look up right. on the tree? Or they're going to break into a car and, you know, be disguised so the camera won't pick up the identity. So I, I don't know. I mean, and, and I really don't know how this is going to pan out, Tim, but... Uh... CCTV does have one benefit, and that allows you to relive the trauma after the fact. Yeah, you watch the flames. So you can go back and, and, and see the petrol being poured on you. Mm. Yeah, anyway, we'll let you know when they come up with... The other thing is, where do you go to the toilet? Like, if the caretaker goes, are they going to remove the ablution block? And are we going to go back? You watch in five years, if cars get broken into again and everyone's taking a dump down there and, you know, it becomes a haven for antisocial behaviour, then there'll be calls again for a 
secure compound. I think Parks and Wildlife Dean um, McAdam did mention something about the ablution block staying. Okay, so there will be a place for a poo. That's cri- hypercritical. Yeah, so that's 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 a good point. But it's the secure side of it that I'd be very interested to see. And I, I'm not sure, personal view only, but the fact that we've got a few suburbs around, I'm not sure what sort of impact positively that's going to have on security. In fact, it may have a, a negative impact. It might just mean that people are closer to go and cause trouble. Mm. We'll let you know when we hear more from Afan about the plan ongoing. G'day, I'm Wade from Humpty Doo. How you been finding the harbour flats fishing, Wade? It's been really good this time of year, nice and nice and cool. Um, when you can get a gap in the weather, it's good. The water clarity is really good this time of year, so it's, it's yeah, it's really interesting. Get all sort of different species up in the flats this time of year. And what's your weapon of choice? Fly, of course. Yeah, no, I love it on fly. I love the sight casting aspect and the challenge, and especially the the size of the bait they're feeding on this time of year is. Um, quite small, and you can't really mimic that and or cast as far with spin or, or bait casters and stuff like that. So fly is really good to lay accurate presentations down. So are you actually creating flies to match the hatch yourself? Yeah, I am. I am. I try and... Um, I, I use both. I, p- I purchase flies and, and make my own. Yeah, sort of just toying around with it and stuff, really learning. So I've only just been doing it for the last couple of years, so sort of still getting my head around everything. It's, it's definitely hyper-addictive and really frustrating, um, yeah, huge challenge, but I think that's what's so attractive about it is that it's so rewarding when you do catch fish on fly that, yeah, that that's what makes it worth it, I reckon. They tell me learning fly equates to lots of hooks in lots of parts of the body, particularly when learning how to fly cast in the wind. Correct. <laughs> yeah, I've jagged myself a few times, um, and they, you'll find that fly line gets caught on absolutely everything. People say braid's bad, but fly line is, if there's something that can get caught on, it will. It's awful. So what species are you getting into and is there a particular target you're chasing on those flats? Um, I've been getting in, well, sort of last dry is when I first started getting right into the flats fishing um, and I targeted pretty much anything and everything. But I last dry I found some permit in the north arm of the harbour. <laughs> and, um, yeah, so I started, I started sort of locking those down and doing heaps of research and that. And, um, yeah, I've found them multiple times and... Yeah, just doing my head in over them at the moment. What is it about the permit that is so sought after by fly fish shows? I think it's just the difficulty because you get so many refusals from the fish. Um, one day you could um, lay a fly and it'll just pick it straight up and you're on. And then the next day you could do the exact same thing with the exact same fish in the exact same situation and it, it'll bar you, won't even, want, won't even give you a look in. They're powerful fish? Yeah, extremely. They're, they're built like a trevally, I guess, um, and quite thick. I've never seen one in the flesh, but I, like in the hand, but I've seen plenty in the water, and they're, yeah, they, they look like a quite powerful fish. And all the videos I've watched, they, yeah, they give the angler a fair bit of curry. Oh, you're spending a lot of time at night times with fish porn, trying to learn the species, be the fish, catch the fish. Yeah, definitely. I'm, I'm old Chris at the Fishing Out the World. I hammer him flat out, and a few other local fly guys. I, I, I give a pizzling for info. Live on YouTube, reading blogs. Yeah, it's been a, it's been an addiction. Can you eat them, Wade? I don't know. I don't think I would. Um, I don't think so. I got a funny feeling you don't. Yeah. It's just sport. Yeah, just sport. And I reckon if someone seen me fill it in the permit, I don't. I reckon I'd get run out of town. <laughs> yeah.
Have you had a crack at the tarp on on fly? Oh, come on, on now. We've we just spent time on permit that you can't eat. Now you're going to move us to tarp. But Ever caught a mouth almighty on fly, Wade? <laughs> <laughs> they are a great fighting fish, aren't they, the, the tarp on on fly? Pound for pound. Yeah, like like local tarp on you, I mean. Mm. Like, um, yeah, I've caught a few in Corroboree mucking around, um, and they're good. I think you'd need to target them on a lighter, so maybe a six weight or something like that to make it yeah really good fun. What, what are you using for your permit chasing in terms of weight? Um, weight quite heavy, so I'm using I'm using a ten weight. Um, people chase them on nine, ten weights um, traditionally, yeah, and um, a sinking tip floating line. Um, some people use intermediates, and yeah, yeah, and crab imitations. Cold water, clear water, presumably over the neeps. What sort of other conditions are you looking for? Be it for permit or a range of other species, fly fishing harbour flats. Um, looking for well, the days with low or no wind is is really good unless you can find sheltered areas because and that that um, contributes to the turbidity of the water as well so if you can get dead neap tides the neapest tides you can possibly get to leave water over the flats um, to keep the fish up there feeding for longer and yeah no wind snake drains or in amongst those shallow juvenile mangrove roots or or the whole lot people do target them target like barra and stuff in the snake drains and that i'm more hooked on the site casting aspect aspect so over those higher tides, when the water's backed up into the mangroves, definitely you get queenfish and salmon, barrow cruising around in there, and yeah, you can definitely target them um, sight casting on fly. You have been targeting dewies though, presumably not on fly unless you're some sort of a god. <laughs> no, not on fly. Dewies in the shallows um, on light gears. Yeah, it's been really good fun, um, and there's, I'm finding plenty. So sort of just side scanning them up and and hitting them with vibes or small plastics and even barrow gear sometimes. But fly's not ruled out. On Dewey's. I haven't tried it yet, but it's it's not ruled out. It's possible. You are all about the sport. I am. I love it. I love it. So how light a gear and how shallow a water? Barra gear, so 30 pound, 30 pound barra gear. Um, Give them a fighting chance. Yeah, yep. Yeah, come close to being spooled. Get busted off a lot. Um, yeah, it's good fun and on vibes and, and stuff like that. They definitely give you plenty, plenty of curry. And you can fight them all the way to the boat and they release really well, So, which is good when you can release those sort of metre plus Dewey's back into the water without having them die or anything. Are you finding them reasonably readily in the North Arm as well? Yeah, North Arm of the harbour. That's where everything, everyone's been slaying the fish lately, I think. I'm not even going to bother asking specifics, am I? Other than North Arm, that's all we're getting? Not for, not for, not for the permit. I'm, I, I can't let any cats out of the bag there, but the jury's off Dundee. And coming up to Tebs this weekend, how are you going? I'm sitting third at the moment, which I'm, I'm pretty stoked with. Not expected at all corroboree around this weekend it's going to be hard fishing i think and it's going to be quite cold i've heard and seen a few fish get caught no massive donkeys where we've had those poor wets and it's locked a few big fish in there there's people are saying that they've they've been flushed out the water's a bit dirty and there's a lot of lilies up now because it hasn't had a really good flush so i reckon it's going to be a hard round how do you feel about corroboree generally i'm not a fan (laughs) not a huge fan of it um just so much hard work for minimal result and you've got to fish to, to really target those big fish well, I think you've got to fish really late hours, like, like yeah, from midnight on and around that, around that sort of time. Yeah, it's just hard work. What about the scenery? It's so beautiful, Wade. Yeah, but I've seen all those crocodiles and birds before. <laughs> you're, the, you're there for the sport. Yeah, I am. I am. I'm there for the, I'm there for the fish. <laughs> Best of luck, mate. No worries. Thanks very much. And really nice to chat to you. Thank you very much, boys. Appreciate it. Oh my god, that's the biggest deer in the world. I didn't expect it to go like this. It's like you got an arm growing out your back. You're listening to Tales from the Tin 
Joe Cossack's a man who enjoys the odd midweek solo mission when he's between jobs. This week he's ventured out on one such mission to Shoal Bay to fire a bazillion casts at Barra. He's a bloke who hatches a plan and damn well sticks to it, Joe. None of this, ah, oh, let's try here for a while, oh, nothing's happening, let's go over there for a while. Which is probably how you and I fish, I suspect. Very, yeah. very, very ran- random, yeah. Perseverance, sticking to the game plan is how Joe rolls. Beard caught up with him uh, after he came in. Sounds like he did surprisingly well in water that by territory standards is positively arctic. Had myself a, a ball, I found quite a few barra moving around in some pretty cold water. Water got down to 23.8 degrees, but the barra were still on the bite. I managed to land seven fish in total. There were a few other fish around, and I just couldn't land them all. The uh, biggest I caught was 61, but I think I saw some slightly bigger fish, and they were actually quite active. Let's rewind for a minute. Did you say 23.8? Is that how cold the water was? Yes. Wow. Yes, I was looking at the temperature going, wow, I'm still hooking up. Anything under 25, they're supposed to be going to sleep. But, um, yeah, I found some slightly warmer water, but I didn't find any barra in it. So what was, your, what was your plan of attack? Well, my plan of attack was based on the low tide being at a certain time during the day because it lets me get out and get home in a reasonable time. So it, the real plan of attack was to just keep casting. I cast lures all day, every day, and my favourite lure is still a gold bomber. This is despite having a, what, a, a fairly substantial lure collection. You still you just end up throwing the one around? They do produce fish. Uh, but where I was, I could actually see a lot of Popeye mullet. It tells me this is the size of the lure I need to use, and it, it needs to be something near the surface. So that was quite effective. Um, I, I did see a couple of barra buffed, so I pulled out a skitter pop, and I got buffed three times, but I didn't hook up. Water temperatures that low this time of year, coming back with seven barra, you've got to be pretty stoked. Absolutely. So I got a nice 85 last month, and everyone said it's winter. Should you be catching that? We're in July now, so middle of winter, you know, but a Monday, you've got to be very happy with that. Many other boats out in Shoal? Yeah, I did see a few other boats out there. There's a few people out there with their kids. A lot of people seem to be chasing crabs or um, bait fishing. I just love casting lures. I'll do it from 7 o'clock in the morning until about 4 in the afternoon, and I very rarely stop. This is a time of year when lots of people, they know the barrier out there, but they are rather sleepier and they don't expect to catch big fish. But here you come with a report saying, oh, I caught seven barrier and they were actually pretty active and, and chasing bait around. What's the lesson there? Just get out there and give it a go? Well, a lot of it is um, have a look around. See what you can see around you. I saw lots of activity, which encourages me to keep casting. Um, I also felt a lot of hits, but sometimes it's... Um, Barra being aggressive at something in their territory, so they're just smacking at it, not trying to swallow it. So there was a lot of that activity happening as well, and every time I get a hit, it's encouragement just to keep casting. I'm doing the right thing. I'm in the right spot. I've got the right lure to either annoy them or hook them. <laughs> Good strategy. <laughs> either way, it's a win. Yeah, yeah. You've been going about it this week, but uh, you've been chasing some pelagics too recently. Yeah, I do love chasing tuna. My kids prefer chasing tuna to chasing barramundi, so I get to spend a bit of time by myself up a creek. But when I go out in the blue water, the kids want to come along. A few weeks back, I went out on my own before school holidays. I caught a dozen tuna. But you can only watch so many tuna schools before you have to cast into them. 
it was great fun, but it's always hard to land the fish quickly and make sure you look after them to get them back in the water. Are you throwing, what, marabou jigs and chromies around? Yeah, yeah, I, I love my raiders. And, um, yeah, marabou jigs, they're cheap, and if you lose a few, you never get upset. I did um, give a big stick bait a try. It was probably a 15-centimetre black with silver on the bottom, just a bibless-type minnow, and um, hooked up really nicely on that. Unfortunately, some shark decided it wanted that tuna more than I did, so I lost that lure. But it, it is great fun, especially when the tuna are hitting almost anything. They're chasing um, tiny little bait fish, but they're also chasing garfish, so it means you can use a variety of lure sizes, not just the small ones. Joe, look, thanks for catching up, um, catching seven barra, you know, this time of the dry and, and hooking into the tuna. Good fishing. Yeah, it's a great place to fish in Darwin. Joe Kosick, uh, the thing that Beard didn't include there was that Joe was using a rod uh, that, that a mate had built. Hmm. And on more than one fight, the reel just fell out of the reel seat. Oh, That's a bit awkward. That's a bit... <laughs> Especially solo. I mean, it turns out it's a special <laughs> reel seat. That's, that is awkward. How do you... How do you go back to your mate and say, look, I'm fishing solo, yeah. the reel didn't even stay on? I mean, the intent was there. And you're right, that must really hurt, Andy, that he caught seven barra even with the reel feeling off, falling off the rod. And in 23 degrees water. Yeah, you must be experiencing some genuine pain right now. Mm. Red, fast and free. Presenting the tales from the tinny fish measuring sticker. Some say it's the scientific standard for measuring length. Some say that it gives you a guaranteed 20% more luck in catching fish. Some say that these stats might be slightly exaggerated. Much like your fishing yards without a Tales from the Tinny Fish measuring sticker. Email fishing at abc.net.au or message the Tinny on Facebook to get yours. Fishing with young Josh Godson this week, Tim. Uh, he, he asked if I could ask you for a, a go fast one twenty YYY Delilah red sticker. I said, mate, you got to. You, you don't just ask for them. Surely you've been listening to the tinny. You've actually got to tell a story. We've and been, you don't ask me. You ask Neville. That, that's right. But you know, he thinks he's got friends in high places. <laughs> get, get, getting to you through me. You, you being in the high place. Me being the casual. <laughs> Just get that on the record. <laughs> anyway, here's his story. He said, well, I want it so that when you and I go tarpon fishing next, we can <laughs> measure the tarpon and send him a photo. There's the story of sticker coming your way, Josh. Mate, mate, I'll say that's good enough. Uh, and Neville agrees uh, just to shut Andy up about... He's actually a crafty young kid. He knows how he gets... Move, move it on from tarpon, please. Give me the sticker and we can go to something else. Greetings from today's room with a view. Says uh, Cam, who's in Victoria. A bed at my local Bayside Melbourne Hospital. Oh, good Lord, here's another one. Where the TFT podcast has proven to be an indispensable support in dealing with my present predicament. Prognosis. Not enough fishing. But that's another story. Whilst contemplating the wisdom, the photo actually shows him in a hospital bed. The photo's just of his feet looking across the ward. Yeah. While contemplating the wisdom on offer on the podcast, I'm inspired to share the following tale. It was a Queensland holiday in 03 that the girlfriend, now wifey, and I, with some fishing gear, visited Dunk Island and its fabled jetty. I never saw the rumoured resident 44-gallon groper, but several sun-up jetty sessions resulted in first-time hookups on tarpon. Oh, my God, we can't get away from it. And, boy, did they go on light tackle. Are you serious, Cam? Good on you, Cam. 
Send him two stickers. I should have looked at this before I started recounting it. My, <laughs> mo- <laughs> my most memorable act of tropical tackle naivety or stupidity occurred when I rigged my new popper onto a pathetic 30-pound leader and commenced maiden cast with said popper off the dunk jetty. I crap you not when in under five casts the spanking new popper delivered a double surface lunge swipe and take by and take by one of the two striped mackerel was happening before my eyes. These were no elbow slappers, more like epic one and a half metre plus pelagic donkeys. Suddenly the drag was singing like there was no tomorrow and resistance was pointless. And then, and, oh, and all too soon, silence and slack line as the leader gave way. Moments later from the depths, my popper floats to the surface. Oh, this is painful. Oh, I can and see it, yeah, where this is going. Yeah, followed by one of the Macs who came up for a second look and then vanished. The popper bobbed around 50 metres from the jetty and I pondered what had just occurred and more importantly my options to get the popper back. And then, as if by prayer, a tinny appears with four blokes, shorebound, heading towards my hapless popper. I gave him a hoy, and in turn they kindly helped deliver it, deliver it back. I've long considered mounting that popper in memory of the epic Mac that got away. Instead, now it's coming out of storage for deployment. Remember, this was 03, yeah. 16 years ago. This is a Grange popper. Yeah, with appropriate tackle kit on our first family holiday to Darwin later in September. What awesome man! Beautiful. This is this is this is good. Let's hope for a fairy tale ending, Cam. While we're about it, in advance of the Darwin trip, I'm sure a couple of red go fast fish measuring stickers will provide the scientifically proven catch rate amplification expected for this trip and beyond. In addition, despite some on-air claims, these stickers will not <laughs> trigger <laughs> regrets, remorse, or hopeless longing of destinations out of reach but rather provide a beacon of ongoing inspiration to seize the moment whenever and wherever a fishing window may open. Cheers and get a racing mullet right up you sideways from Cam in his hospital bed in Melbourne. Cam, they are well and truly on their way uh, in advance of your trip to Darwin. Keep us, let us know if that popper, that 16-year-old popper, catches any fish in Darwin. What a great ending to a great tale. Tales from the Tinny. So, Andy, we heard this story earlier, which was quite enticing from uh, Maddie Brown about her mate Harley, a bloke actually known to the Church of the Tinny, been up here a few years, hardcore dedicated fisher. Mm. Apparently he's had open-heart surgery for some reason, uh, we've now seen the video, and it really is extraordinary. He is, just like Maddie said, he's hooked up to every single machine in the book, quite literally just been wheeled out. Yeah, to the recovery area. And is lying there basically unconscious, mm. wakes up, feigns fishing, and then completely passes out again. Mm. Clearly an addict and a, uh, a worthy member of the Church of the Tinny. But as, as suggested, we should probably give him a call, don't yeah, you think? Let, let's follow the trail, Tim. That's what we do. I've got a few questions for him, too. There's some things I'd... Really want to know. Well, I why, want to, why has he had open heart surgery? I, I want to know why he's there in the first place. I want to know how he's coping watching all the fishing social media. Mm. That that'd hurt me if I was in a hospital. Yeah, bed. that'd hurt. Yeah. Mm. Hello. Hey, is that you, Harley? It is. Yeah. Tim and Andy from Tales from the Tinny. How are you? Oh, uh, frozen but good. Feels like I'm in Antarctica somewhere, but another place also called Goulburn. 
We've heard the story uh, as a a bit of an overview from your mate, Matty, and seen the video, Harley. What the hell is going on there? I'd only just woken up from the operation and just finished spewing my guts up and everything else, and sister was sitting beside the bed there. She said, oh, what what better thing to do for your brother than just uh, laugh and take a video of it? In your most vulnerable moment, you're being filmed. Yeah, and laughed at by a sibling. (laughs) Excellent. That's what they're for. Cheers, and all in your mouth, and... Spewing the guts up, and you go, oh, where else would you rather be? Yeah, I don't even remember doing it, but... Um, you don't even have any recollection of, of doing that hand motion reeling in no, about it? No, I was... Yeah, I wasn't really... You know, I was pretty off my face when I woke up. Yeah, that was the end of that, and I was back out to it. So, in hindsight, it was pretty accurate. That That's where you wanted to be in your mind, that's isn't it? where I wanted to be, yeah. It keeps me sane. If I had to cuddle a rib cage and peel it open, so it's sort of two to three months, and you can sort of get back into it, but at the moment, I can't do much. Got to sit here and look at me boat in the sheds. Put it this way: a couple of days ago, there I, yeah, there was a fair bit of ice sitting on top of the boat. So there was actual ice on your territory there rig. Was, yeah, so I'm, yeah, I'm disappointed. Really, no boat should be treated like that in any way at all. Did you just take the boat, you know, as your companion, so you could look at it? Yeah, I needed it nearby. You know? <laughs> always got a picture of your boat or something there to keep you sane. You're obviously watching social media and, and watching everyone else fish. How's that contributing? Unfortunately, unfortunately I am, yeah. yeah. It kept you going through hospital. You listen to all your podcasts and all that and makes you think of where you'd rather be. There has been a few thoughts go through my head of defriending the tinny page, just look at the people all up in the warmth, having fun. Yeah, because it hurts. Right. I'll, I'll be back up there. Because <laughs> it hurts so much. It hurts so much. I opened the curtains then and peered out the window. I think I almost got pneumonia looking out the window. So, <laughs> Have you tried to negotiate the rehab and recovery plan with your doctors to try to get up here at least in time for the build-up? Um, I've had a few yarns with the, uh, the rehab ladies a couple of days ago, and I told them that I need to speed this up any way possible because of uh, obvious reasons. Harley, if it makes you feel any better, um, it is the worst barra fishing at the moment. The water is so cold. I'm, I'm, I'm not joking. Oh, the fishing the fishing across the board in the Territory is absolute crap at the moment. Except for the footy fields of tuna out at Six Mile and oh, the stop, Mackies, stop. the Pelagics, the Queenies. I was trying to help. I was only talking about the barra The rest of it's the best we've ever seen. Unless you're in a boat with bush chicks, that seems to be the place to be. You are heartless, Andy. <laughs> hey, how on earth is it a, a dedicated, young, healthy territory fisho from the top end suddenly needs to punch down south for open-heart surgery? Mm. Yeah, I just collapsed at work and ended up at Catherine Hospital with a heart rate of 188. And Yeah, they kind of stopped it and restarted it and care flooded me to Darwin and... Yeah, they said, oh, well, I think you might need a bit of an operation, I think, to fix that. So they've replaced the valve in the heart and they cut all your rib cage and all your, like, your sternum and all that and peel you open and play with your insides and put you all back together again and very sore and tender but you lose a lot of your strength up up top sort of things. I don't know how I'm going to go fishing but should be right, I'll make it work. Yeah, that's the key, isn't it? To to recover well enough at least to be able to cast your arm off for 48 hours in a row. I'll just, just employ a few more deckies or something, should be right. A few months and I'll be back and one of my mates is moving up with his fat Brad, so... Him and I will be driving up there, hopefully before the wet. Best of luck for the recovery, mate, and thanks for telling us the yarn. And also, thanks for allowing us to share uh, that video on Facebook. It is truly an inspiration, man. <laughs> and I'm pretty sure it was only probably about 20 minutes or so after that I was having this uh, bit of a strange conversation with the doctor there who he happened to be a bit of a mad fisherman as well. So showing him pictures and that up there, and he's very adamant he wants to go up there.
what a champion, yeah. you know, doing the thing for tourism and recovering and looking to the future. They represent the values of the church. Don't the they, Kenny, mate? When you're back up here and you get your first barrel, your first good fish, um, let's have another chat um, when, you, when you're back into it, as you're going to be. Mm. Good on you, Harley. No drums. Awesome. Have a good one. <laughs> you too. Cheers. Now, there's a bloke who's got his priorities sorted. What a testament to the resilience of territory fishers. Bang on. But it also shows, you know, what the tinny and, and most importantly, the, the members, the church members of the tinny stand for. It's a, the tinny's an anchor, isn't it, in some people? Lying in a hospital bed, open heart surgery. It's an anchor for, for life. And it actually, it, you know the story, Tim, but it, it, it saved me too in a, in a difficult time. Just to be able to put the podcast on or turn the radio on and connect back, particularly if you're in hospital or out of the country, perhaps in a war zone. It does help sometimes to shut the mind off with truly mindless drivel and for that for the contribution of said drivel we thank you members of the uh, of the tinny church without whom there would be no such finely crafted and enunciated drivel as that you continually deliver to us week after week (laughs) we do uh, in all seriousness harley wish you a very speedy recovery and you know, the first strike on, on that lure is going to be the sweetest victories from you, and we'll, we'll talk to you when you do that. Well, that's about it from Tales from the Tinny. Yes, it is indeed. Gee, that went quickly. That was fun. We say thanks to Ray Medlicott. Have, have you had a nice time? I've had a nice time, Tim. I have. I have. And I, I leave this show with a renewed sense of optimism. Have, is that all it took to rebuild you? That's all it took, just to chat with you and, you know, talk about other people catching fish that, It presents hope. I've told you before, fishing, it is a perpetual series of occasions for hope. It really is. It is. Put that on a sticker. Pass me the tissues. (laughs) Get on with it. Well, thanks to Ray out at Buff Creek for the great chat. Wade Kelly, thank you to talk about fly fishing. Joe Kosick, good on you. Thank you. Uh, Caroline DeMarco, and as always, Warren DeWith. And a special big thanks to Harley, the man who was already fishing barely after his chest had been sewed back up after that brutal surgery. See you back up here in the build-up, fella. Final word should probably go to Maddie Brown, the bush chick, though, who now, days later, is still relishing the revenge on her mum, the bush chook. I still went to bed last night laughing and I woke up this morning laughing. Greatest day ever. It's lovely, but it's also kind of that little bit evil, isn't it? Until next week, fishers, get a vengeful familial mullet up ya. Yeah?